Good morning. It is certainly a blessing and a privilege that God has given us uh, to be here, um, to worship him together. Uh, I'm encouraged by you today, um, encouraged by what, uh, what God is, is doing among us. When was the last time you shared the gospel with a friend, um, with a neighbor, with a coworker, or a relative? Um, you know, as Christians, spreading the good news of salvation through Jesus is something we should be doing all the time. Uh, there should be nothing that we love talking about more than sharing uh, the gospel. It's part of what it means to be a disciple. In fact, in the passage that Jared just read for us, uh, you might have noticed there in uh, Luke 9, verse 59 and 60, when the man says, well, let me go first go and bury my father. D- do you notice what Jesus said to him? He said, allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? Part of that is going everywhere and proclaiming the kingdom of God, not just for evangelists, as we talked about uh, in our Bible class this morning. In fact, you think about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. How many Christians need to be wearing the armor of God? (laughs) Well, all of us. We we need the the full strength of the Lord on our side. But do you notice when he says, when he talks about our feet, he says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who go and proclaim the good news. And so each and every one of us need to be prepared to share the gospel. That is not just the work of, of a few select people. Each and every one of us as disciples, as followers of Jesus, need to be proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming the good news of salvation. I think often we fail in living out that aspect of our discipleship, not necessarily because of a lack of passion. Maybe that is a problem. Maybe we don't have the passion that we need to have uh, and the love that we need to have for those around us to share the gospel with them. But I think many times we we allow that passion to be squelched because we feel unequipped. We feel like we're not qualified to share. Um, like, Like we don't know how to, we don't know where we would start, what we would say. Um, but as we talked about in our Bible class this morning, Ephesians chapter four, part of the work of an evangelist, part of the work of, of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers was to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Part of the reason that we're here is so that we can all become equipped to do the Lord's work. Um, and so today and, and through a, a series of, of studies that I want to do, I want to try to help equip you to share the gospel. Um, I, I want to put a tool in your hand, um, and this is just one of, of many tools that, that may help you in, in doing that. I'm going to share with you some, some charts uh, that I sometimes use uh, in sharing the gospel um, with people. Um, I, I've, I've started many times, uh, instead of using these charts, sometimes just studying through the Sermon on the Mount and then studying through Romans. Um, but especially, you know, if, if teaching Romans might be a little bit intimidating to you at this point. This, this is, uh, what I'm about to share with you is, is a very simple and straightforward uh, approach to sharing some of the basics of the gospel, kind of building up from square one, uh, trying to give the, uh, a more big picture approach to help people understand uh, what the gospel is really all, all about. 
Um, and so we're, we're going to look at a series of four charts. Uh, this is the, the first one. And, and where I think it's many times helpful to start with people uh, is with the big question, what is the purpose of life? Right? Uh, that's a question that everybody has asked. Philosophers throughout the ages have asked that question, have tried to answer that question. Uh, and if you ask that question to somebody, um, stop and, and listen. Sharing the gospel is not just about you talking, by the way. Uh, many times it's about asking questions and, and listening to what they have to say. But ask that question. What, what is the, the purpose of life? You probably get a whole lot of different answers. Um, but, but that's something that, that people have puzzled over and asked throughout the centuries. Um, but I think we need to recognize that if there is a God, if there is a, a supreme creator of all things, then really the only way we can answer that question is to ask him, right? Uh, imagine for a moment uh, if you walked into an inventor's laboratory with a group of people and there was a, a large complex contraption sitting in the middle of the room and it had all sorts of levers and, and buttons and flashing lights and rotating gears and pistons going up and down. And you all started kind of guessing at what you thought the purpose of this invention was. Um, you all had your, your own ideas. One thought it was a time machine. Somebody else thought it was measuring seismic activity. Uh, you know, you just think it's, it's a tricked out pizza oven. Um, well, how, how are you going to know? How are you going to know what that invention was actually designed to accomplish? Well, I'll tell you the easiest way. Ask the inventor, right? <laughs> if he's the one who designed it, he's the one who made it, then he's going to have the answer. And so we cannot understand our purpose without asking God. He's the one who put us here. Only he is going to know the reason for which he put us here, the purpose for our existence. And God is pretty straightforward about what our purpose is. Uh, in fact, I think we can kind of start on the very first page of our Bible. Um, I think that's a helpful place to start. Why did God create man? You want to turn all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we'll read verse 26 and verse 27 together. Here, this is God expressing what is in his mind and his heart as he gets ready to make man. He says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let him rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Do you think... Do you see something emphasized to us uh, multiple times in that passage? What, what was God's intent? What was God's design as he created man, male and female? It says he created them in his own image or in his likeness. What does that mean? To be created in the image of God. Does that, does that mean that God has a nose and, and two ears and two eyes and a mouth? Is, is that what we're talking about? Well, no, we, we know God is spirit. John 4 Jesus tells uh, the one with the well that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God's not just a physical and a fleshly being. It's not that physically speaking, we're created in the image of God. We could talk about some different aspects of what it means to be created in God's image. Certainly if God's a spiritual being, we recognize that we're not just physical beings, right? We have a spirit. We have an eternal soul. You, you might even in this passage uh, see that just as God is sovereign and a, a, an authority over all creation, he set man in a position of authority, right? 
Um, and so he intended for us to uh, uh, reflect his role um, as being an authority over, over the, the, the creatures of the earth. Uh, but I think it's even deeper than that. This is normally the illustration that I'd use. Think about it this way. If there was an artist who painted many beautiful landscape paintings, could you tell something about the artist from those paintings? Well, you, you might see his, his style of painting, his talent as an artist, maybe his view of beauty through different things that he wanted to bring out and emphasize in that painting. But what if that same artist painted a painting in his own image? What would you call that? Self-portrait, right? And not only does that painting show us his talent as a painter or his view of beauty, that shows us his personal characteristics. What, what he looks like. And again, we're not talking physically, but, but when God made man in his image, in his likeness, what we're talking about there is God intended for us to reflect his personal characteristics. What are some of the personal characteristics of God? You might think about love, uh, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the spirit. You might think about holiness and righteousness and purity, grace and truth. God intends that mankind have the capacity and ability to reflect his character in a way that the rest of his creation didn't. We're intended to be like that self-portrait of, of God's character, like, like a mirror reflecting his image. And I think we see that other places in the scripture. Ultimately, the, the purpose of our creation, the goal, is that we imitate God. You can see this in, in the New Testament in passages like Ephesians 4, the very end of that chapter kind of leads into the next chapter. Ephesians 4 and verse 32, we're told, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. What, what does God want us to be? He wants us to be like children that are imitating our father, imitating our parents. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say, I, I see your father in you, or I see your mother in you? What does that mean? Maybe it's some physical characteristic. Uh, maybe it's some personality trait, some, some uh, mannerism that they, they see your parents in you. Well, God says, that's what I want for you to be, <laughs> of, of me. When, when people see your character, your manner of life, when people see your, your heart, your attitude, it needs to be a reflection of my character. Just as, as we might take great joy in having children and, and passing on you know, a, a piece of ourselves, hopefully the good parts of ourselves uh, to our children, God wants to pass on his goodness, which is complete and perfect and good to us as his children. And he wants others to see our father living in us. That is the purpose of creation. That's why we're here. That's the reason for our existence. God put us here that we might reflect his goodness and his character. Be his self-portraits, his children, uh, mirrors of, of his glory. But really, you know, when talking about the purpose of life, the, the what is, is perhaps the easier part. If we just ask our creator, he tells us exactly why we were created, what it is that we're intended to accomplish. The how is where it gets a little bit more difficult. How can we imitate God? 
you know, ha, ha, have, has anybody here ever met God face to face? We're going to read a passage just in a moment that says no one has ever seen God in all of his glory, has seen him face to face. Can you imitate somebody that you've never met? You know, there, there may be some people here who have met my father, but normally when I'm studying with somebody, they, they don't have any idea who my father is. Uh, and I'll say, well, what if I asked you to imitate my father? Would you be able to do that? Well, no, they, they don't know him. They've never met him. They've never interacted with him. Um, but, but maybe if I started describing to you a little bit about my father, maybe if I told you that he's exactly like me, then maybe the more time you spend around me, you, you'd begin to have some basis on which to understand what it would mean to imitate my father. I think ultimately that's what we see God doing and on a much greater scale and with much greater perfection than I could reflect my own father's uh, likeness. Um, but that is what God has done for us. God has revealed himself to us. Though no one can see God face to face and live throughout history, the Lord has revealed his character to us. Uh, and so the only way we can fill our purpose is by coming to know God through that revelation. Um, and that begins by talking about Jesus. Uh, look in John chapter 1 and verse 18. John chapter 1 and verse 18. We read, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. No one has seen God at any time. Now, people saw many different manifestations of God, a, a burning bush, fire on the top of Mount Sinai, but nobody has ever seen God in all of his fullness. Um, the only begotten, the Son of God, he has explained him to us. Earlier in this chapter, he's called the Word. Jesus uh, has bridged that gap for us, has shown us the character of God and shown it perfectly. He came down as deity in the flesh. He showed us God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion, his righteousness and holiness, his justice. If you want to look at another passage, it would be Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, gives us this idea as well. Hebrews chapter 1, starting verse 1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Uh, when he ca- uh, had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. H- how has God spoken to us. He talks about how God spoke long ago in many portions and in many ways through the prophets, through dreams, through angels, through visions. God communicated to mankind. But he says in these last days, how has God communicated? Through his son. As he goes on to describe the son, he describes him as being heir of all things, having authority over all things, as as being co-creator of the world, of the universe. But notice in verse 3 in particular, it says, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus perfectly shows us the image and the character of God. Um, you, you might think about it this way when you think about the radiance of his glory. Um, 
you know, how, how many millions of miles, light years are we away uh, from the, the sun? Um, and, and yet, have, have any of us seen the sun? How, how is it that we see something that's so far away from us? Well, it's its, it's radiance, right? It's brightness. It's, it's rays coming down to us. Um, and so... Here, in the same way, Jesus is that radiance of God's glory, shining the character of the Father, even though, in, in some senses, we're, we're separated, we're far away from him. Jesus has brought him near. Jesus has shown us what he looks like. And he's the exact representation of his nature, or the express image of his character. You know, if I told you that my, my father is exactly like me, um, there, there would probably be some things that would be lost in translation, right? My, my father isn't exactly like me. But here we're told when it comes to Jesus and his father, nothing is lost in translation. Jesus is the exact representation of his character. And so we can come to know the image that we're supposed to be reflecting, the, the character of God by coming to know Jesus. But we might need to ask, well, you know, were any of us here 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here in the flesh. None of us have met Jesus face to face. So we're kind of back to square one, aren't we? We can't imitate somebody that we've never met. But Jesus said he was going to provide a way by which we could come to know him um, through the spirit. We've been studying recently in the gospel of, of John and looked at some of these passages as Jesus prepares to depart from this earth. Notice what he says to his disciples. John 14, verse 25 and 26. Here Jesus says to them, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Here Jesus says in his work of explaining the Father to us and revealing God to us, he says, there's a lot more that you still need to know. There's a lot more that I have to teach you. But as I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the, the helper, the comforter, uh, and he is going to teach you everything that you need to know. He's going to perfectly bring to your remembrance what I showed you and taught you, and he is going to uh, continue to reveal what it is that God wants you to understand. Uh, look later on in John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15, he again talks about this. Starting verse 12, he says, I have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Do you see that, that uh, communication coming to us? Uh, from the Father to Jesus through the Spirit. Um, and he calls him here the Spirit of Truth. Because it says his primary work, his, his goal is going to be to guide us into all the truth. Everything that we need to know to, to live uh, righteous and godly lives, to, to fulfill our purpose, to reflect God's character, the Spirit is going to reveal to us. And so God has made a way through his Son and then through the spirit as well, that we can come to know him, his character, his image, uh, that we can fulfill our purpose. But, but how exactly does the spirit do that? 
Um, if we look elsewhere in the scriptures, I think we'll, we'll begin to see exactly how the Spirit was going to fulfill that work. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read together in verse 11 through 13. Starting in verse 11, uh, Paul here writes, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. How is it that you're going to know what's in my mind, right? Can, can anybody here read my mind? Tell me what it is that I'm thinking about at any given moment. Well, of course not. Uh, you, none of you have the ability to, to simply read my mind. How much more do we not have the capability to read God's mind and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I think, I think this is what. God thinks. I think this is what God's like. I think this is what God would approve of. Well, no, we can't do that. No, the spirit of God, the spirit within somebody knows uh, their, their thoughts. But there, there's one way that you can know what's in my mind, right? I can tell you. <laughs> I can communicate it to you. Then you know. And Paul says that's what the spirit has done for us. The spirit within God has given them words that they're able to speak. He says there in verse 13, these are not words taught by human wisdom. They didn't come from the mind of man. They come from the mind and the mouth of God. And so the spirit was going to communicate through words, God's will to us. Paul said he and the other apostles here received that spirit uh, and the words that they were speaking were in fact from God. We can see that again clearly in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Um, we'll, we'll start reading in verse 3 uh, as Paul talks about his ministry, uh, his stewardship of God's grace. He says in verse 3 that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, verse 4, when you read you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets through in the spirit how is the spirit going to reveal the mystery going to reveal god's plan for salvation that he'd been preparing for throughout the creation of the world paul says he's Revealing it through the holy apostles and prophets. The word apostle literally means one sent out. And when we talk about apostles of Jesus Christ, we're talking about apostles, those who are sent out by Jesus to witness to his resurrection. Prophet means a, a spokesman, a mouthpiece for God. Someone speaking the words of God. And so we're told here that the apostles and prophets were going to speak and in fact write down what it is that the spirit wants us to know. That the spirit, the spirit of truth was going to accomplish that work of guiding us into all truth by this written revelation of the apostles and prophets. Well, of course, again, uh, none of us ever met the Apostle Paul in the flesh, did we? 
or, or the Apostle Peter or any of the prophets. And so how is it that we ourselves are going to get this information? Uh, ultimately, as Paul says here, they, they read, wrote it down for us. Look in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. It is interesting uh, that some of the epistles that talk the most about Scripture and about the revelation of Scripture are some of the latest written epistles, like 2 Timothy uh, and 2 Peter. Um, and so here is 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 20 and 21. Peter here writes, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Peter tells them, any scripture that, that has been written down, any scripture that you're reading, isn't coming from the mind of man. It's not coming from human wisdom, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, it's not their own interpretation that the Spirit just kind of gave this, this vague feeling, this vague idea of what it is that God wanted, and they kind of interpreted it to us. He says, that's not it. It's not dependent on human interpretation. No, what, what you have is that which has come from the mouth of God. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It's his word, not theirs. Uh, this idea of them being moved by the Spirit is, is the, the same language that's used to describe a wind uh, you know, catching the sail and blowing it in a certain direction. The, the Holy Spirit drove them in the direction that God intended, that these words are not their words, are not their interpretation, not their wisdom. This is the wisdom, the word, the, the mind of God. We see that as well in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, in context, Paul has been talking to Timothy about how from childhood he knew the sacred writings, the Old Testament. Um, he says in verse 15 uh, that from childhood you know the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the writings of the Old Testament, the sacred writings that he knew from his childhood, plus faith in Christ Jesus uh, are able to make him wise unto salvation and then in verse 16, he says, all scripture. And he's combining together this idea of the sacred writings of old and the faith that comes from Jesus. Uh, it says, all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. When it says all scripture is inspired by God, we, we use that word inspired in a lot of different ways right? Uh, you, you might be inspired by a piece of music or inspired by some, some great uh, view of nature. Um, but, but the original word here, translated inspired, uh, it, it comes from the idea of breathing in, right? You, you think of the word expire. If somebody expires, they kind of breathe out their last breath. Inspiring is this idea of, of breathing into, um, and so here, all scripture is breathed out, breathed in by God. It's not coming from man's mouth. It's coming from God's mouth is the idea there. And it is able to make us complete. It's able to make us uh, adequately furnished, uh, equipped 
for every good work, for what God wants us to be. And so this is ultimately why we're sitting here with our Bibles open right now. (laughs) This is ultimately why we spend time in the scriptures is because the reason that God made us, the purpose for which he created us to reflect his image and reflect his glory can only be achieved through coming to know him as he has revealed himself, right? Through, through Jesus, through the spirit that guided the apostles and prophets to write down the, the mind and the heart and the character and the will of God for us. We, we said uh, a little bit ago that we can't read the mind of God, right? Well, by his grace, we can read the mind of God. And when we recognize that that is what has been given to us, how passionate should we be about wanting to come to know him? What, what we're reading here is not just some history book. Uh, you know, it's not just some, uh, you know, book, book of fairy tales. This is the autobiography of God. This is God showing us what he has done throughout history, how he has uh, interacted with mankind throughout history. And on every page, there's something that is going to help us come to understand the heart and the character of God more. And that's the heart and that's the character that we were created to reflect as his self-portraits, as mirrors of his character. I, I want to look at one other scripture together uh, that, that's been on my mind recently. First uh, Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. I'm going to notice what Peter uh, urges of the Christians here. He says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. All glory and power and authority belong to Jesus, not to us, right? And why is it that Peter says that everything we speak needs to be as the oracles or the utterances of God? Every service that we render be as that which, which he is strengthening us to accomplish so that he'll be glorified. The, the reason that we want to be passionate and, and careful and diligent to make sure that everything that we do, everything that we speak is in fact what we see God describing to us is not just because we're, we're really, you know, legalistic Pharisee type, you know, what, wanting to check all our boxes and make sure that you're checking those boxes too. That's not the goal. But we need to be passionate and serious and diligent about making sure that everything that we do, everything that we speak is coming from God's word because that's how he gets the glory, right? If, if I need to describe what I believe about salvation, what I believe about God's intention for the church, what I believe about worship, if I need to use kind of my own ideas and phrases to describe what that is, then I'm not giving him the glory and the honor and the authority that he deserves. And so that's why we're passionate about the Bible is because we're passionate about God, about his character, his will, his heart. And may that always be what we're looking for as we're coming to the scriptures. Um, 
And so we're, we're going to continue to look at some of these outlines. That you can see they're not very fancy, you know, nothing very flashy. But, but hopefully, this will be a tool in your hands that, that you can use, maybe even remember some of the illustrations that we use that you think might be helpful to, to share the gospel with others. And I feel like this is square one. Because if we want to ex- explain to somebody, why should you even take the time to study the Bible, Right? Why should you be interested in this? Why should you sit down and and want to to read it? I think this is what we need to get back to. This is about fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. And you cannot do that without coming to know God. You can't come to know God without listening to his words. So what about you today? Um, Do do you recognize uh, some area in your life where you haven't been allowing God's word to do its proper work within you? Where you haven't been been as as diligent as you need to be about making sure that that what it is that you are are living and doing day by day is genuinely to his glory and to his honor. Um, we're, We're here right now. We come together so that we can help one another be better servants for the Lord. Um, and if there's some way that we can help you, some way that we can be praying for you, we genuinely desire to do that. If, if you recognize that um, you, you've never really sought out God, um, or that maybe you've been seeking God in the wrong places, if we can help you come to know God, uh, we want to do that. Uh, if we can help you come to understand the gospel, the good news, that by his grace and by his power, you can fulfill that purpose. We're going to talk in some other outlines about how all of mankind has failed in that purpose. Um, And the reason that we talk about salvation is because there's something that we need to be saved from. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe you recognize that you're you're not doing that, not not even close. Um, that, That describes all of us. But by God's grace and with his strength, by the sacrifice of his son, that perfect image of his character can be restored. You can fulfill that purpose, not on your own strength, but with the Lord. If, if you need the Lord's help in that, uh, if there's any way that we can help you, please, before you leave these doors today, reach out to somebody. Uh, we're eager to help you, to pray for you, to, to strengthen you as you seek to honor the Lord in your life as we seek to do the same. If there's any way that we can help you, you need to make some need known. I'm going to invite you uh, to, to come forward and let that be known as, as we stand and as we sing together.